For those of you that don't know me, once again, my name is Tracy McCann. My husband, Bubba, is the pastor of Our Savior's Church here in Jennings and over all these three campuses, and I'm so honored and privileged to be in this position. As I look back at my life, um, I was just a little girl from a family raised on a little island called Fox Island, Washington State. Gave my life wholeheartedly to Jesus when I was 12 years old and just had a desire to know him and to make him known. And I can remember even in high school coming home and I would put on Christian music like Keith Green. Uh, Some of the artists I would name, you wouldn't know them (laughs) because they've been long gone. And I would just sing for hours and pray, God, just use me, just use me. But the funny thing was, out of me and my other three sisters, I was the quietest one. I was very quiet, very shy. So to be standing in this place today really is a miracle of God. It really is. And God has done so much in my life through the years. Uh, My husband and I have been married for 30 years. And he is, he's my greatest gift. Um, he's brought the worst and the best out of me. <laughs> and I would not be who I am if it wasn't for him. Literally, we are complete opposites. He is a social one. I am not. He's the free spirit. I'm the organization. But we have taught each other things. And I'm so grateful because my husband is very, if you know him, if you've met him, he's very social. He's very people-oriented. And he's drawn those gifts out of me. And I've helped to draw the gifts out of him. We have six children, five boys, and one daughter who is sitting right here. Wave your hand, Olivia. She is literally a miracle. Um. Our oldest is 28 years old, which is Zach, Claire's husband. And we have a 26-year-old, a 24-year-old, a 20-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old. So all different ages. So if you need any counseling afterwards, (laughs) I can tell you about married children, children in college, high school. Um, I have five grandchildren. I can tell you about babies, toddlers, and anything in between. So we are very blessed, very, very blessed, and I'm just very blessed to be here. But um, tonight I just wanted to share, I was thinking, you know, Christmas, what do, what do you share? And um, I feel, really feel like the Lord gave me this. I love women of the Bible, and you can learn so much from different women in the Bible. If you read the story of Esther and Ruth, there's so much as women that we can learn. And I thought, how appropriate to look at the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, at Christmas time and what we can learn from her. I think as I was not raised Catholic, I, how many of you were Catholic at one time in here? Wow. I was not. And so moving to the South after we got married, I had no idea what it was to be a Catholic and the way they honored Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, but I kind of shied away from Mary, knowing the inappropriate worship of Mary or the praying to Mary that I knew was not biblical. I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. I know they honor and they fear God, but I just didn't want to really have anything to do with Mary. But there is so much that we can learn from Mary. And if you look in the Bible, Mary comes from the lineage of David, from the tribe of Judah, from the family line of King David. 
And um, she, her family was very poor. And Luke, it, she talks about how she was a lowly servant girl. And if you were a servant back in those days, that was the poorest, pretty much lowest job that you could have. And in the Bible, people would name their children. Um, it would have a meaning. And it would either be named the type of child that they were. Sometimes they would wait to name a child. Or it would be, maybe be named after their situation. For example, you have Isaac, who Sarah and Abraham named. His, Isaac means laughter because when Sarah found out at 90 years old she was going to have a baby, she laughed. <laughs> and so they named their child Laughter. And so in the Bible, a name means something. And we went to name our six children. I actually looked up the meaning of the name because I didn't want to name, name them meanie or wicked or evil or something like this. I wanted their name to mean something. And um, so as I was doing this study of Mary, I looked up what does the name Mary mean? Because I know in the Bible, Mary means something. And I was really shocked to find out that the name Mary means bitter. Bitter. And another name, another um, definition was rebellion. So bitter and rebellious. Now, I don't think when they named the virgin, the Mary that we know, that she was a bitter person, or I don't think that she would have been chosen to carry the Christ child. But I think that she was named because for the people of Israel, the Jews, it was a very bitter time. And they were very oppressed by the Romans. It was a poor family. And her family... Um, They usually had a lot of children, and it was probably just a bitter time for them. And they felt um, maybe a rebellious time with the Romans and the Roman oppression. So I'm like, wow, to be named bitterness, you are a child of bitterness. But as I started thinking about that, I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter what family you come from, and it doesn't matter the situation or circumstances surrounding it. It might be a bad time for you. Your parents, your family, you might have been born to a single mother. It doesn't matter if you were poor or rich or what kind of family status, money status you came from. God can still choose you to do something significant. Because if he chose Mary, who was a lowly servant girl, you know, we think she must have been something great or something special. But honestly, I don't think she was any different than us. I think she was just like us. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short. So Mary obviously was a sinner also. Christ was the only one that never sinned. And so she also was a a sinner. But what can we learn from her that maybe were some reasons that she was chosen to be the mother of the Christ? And so I started looking through the scriptures, and I I stayed a lot in the book of Luke. And if you're taking notes, um, great. You can write some of these things down. If not, you can just listen. But... One of the first things I saw about Mary was that she had faith. She believed. And how do I know this? Because when the angel Gabriel came to her and he said, don't be afraid, and he told her what was going to happen, what Mary's response was, she said, let it be done according to what you have said, according to your word. She was a woman of faith. She believed. And God must have known that she would believe, that she would have faith. And... I look at us as women, and probably one of the greatest sins that we as women deal with is fear. 
Fear is the opposite of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But we constantly as women deal with fear. Men don't as much, but we fear over our finances. We fear we might lose our husband. We fear something might happen to one of our children. We fear that our children might not serve the Lord or might not come back to the Lord. Fear, 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 fear. But the opposite of that is faith, which Mary had that. Now, she did ask a question but it wasn't a question in doubt. She did say, well, how is this going to happen? Because I'm, I'm a virgin. It wasn't the kind of question where Sarah, Abraham Sarah, laughed like, yeah, right. That Sarah's was a doubting, like, how is that, you know, that going to happen? Mary's was just like, I just want to know how it's going to happen because obviously I know I'm a virgin. And how is it going to happen? And he was like, don't worry. The Lord's going to come upon you and it's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. And when she knew that, she said, be it done according to your word. And faith is for us. We don't have the angel Gabriel coming to us, but we have the word of God. And we can open the word of God and read it and say, God, be it done according to your word. I didn't get the word from Gabriel, but I have the word. Be it done according to your word. Whatever you say, God, I will believe it. So Mary, first of all, was a woman of great faith. And that's the first reason I believe she was chosen. The second is she was obedient. She was obedient. She walked out that obedience that the angel told her that would happen. She never wavered. She stayed true. And imagine all the people that had to be doubting her. You know, can you imagine? Thank God. I mean, first of all, the one to doubt was was Joseph. And as you look in Luke, that angel came to Mary once. But all through Luke, the angel came to Joseph four times. And I thought, hmm, sometimes God tells me something, but he speaks to my husband four times as much. He might give me the dream, the vision, the word, but he gives my husband the plan. That's why he's the leader, because that's where Joseph was told, leave this city, go here. This is going to happen. He gave him the guidance. So she walked in obedience. Even in Luke 145, the angel said, you are blessed because you believe, but we cannot, we always have to tie obedience with belief. It's like in the book of James, he said, faith without works is nothing, and neither is works without faith. You can't say, I believe, but then not do anything about it, but you can't do something not in faith. You have to have both. Mary had both. And there's even... um, A scripture, when Jesus finally did come into his ministry later in Luke 11, um, the crowd was out, and someone shouted out, Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus said, on the contrary. Now, you know what contrary means. It means opposite or disagree. What Jesus was saying, I disagree with you. In other words, I disagreed that my mother is blessed. And we think, well, she's the blessed Mary. But Jesus disagreed. What he said is, blessed are those who hear and obey. And you see, that's what faith is. When you hear the word from the angel like Mary did, from the word of God, blessed are those who hear and obey. So I'm not saying Mary wasn't a blessed woman to be chosen. I mean, that would be a great privilege and an honor. But Jesus said, the greatest honor is when you hear me and you obey me. And that's what Mary did. So the next thing, you have faith. 
you believe. How many of you have a vision for your life? God's given you a dream. You have a desire to really do something great for God. You want to have a purpose and a destiny. Raise your hand. You want, you want to leave this earth, and you want to have a great purpose like Mary did. Okay, let me tell you what's going to happen. When you get that call from the angel, you get the dream, you get the visit, or whatever you want to call it, you're going to face some things. You're going to face something. You're going to face rejection, ridicule, cue. Can you imagine what Mary would have faced? No one believed. You know, she could have been stoned to death for getting pregnant. And even all the years of Jesus growing up, so she told people, you know, told Joseph. She had to tell her parents, her siblings, you know, hey, I'm carrying the Messiah. You know, yeah, right. Who are you? We know who you are. We played jumping jacks with you or whatever. And for 30 years, nothing. All Jesus is doing is working with his father, Joseph, learning how to make furniture. So 30 years of people talking, 30 years of people gossiping, 30 years of the dream. Well, Jesus, you, you, you said, the angel told me you were the Messiah. Aren't you going to declare yourself king? So imagine the things you'd have to deal with. For me, I'd probably want to say, I can't wait till he does. And all those gossipers, they're going to see, I, I, you know, they're going to see I was right, you know. But she just had to wait. Many times God tells us something, but we don't see it happen for 10, 20, 30, 40 years later. I had... Um, I was telling someone the other day how I'd been reading about King David, and I don't know if you remember the story, how Samuel came and anointed him. All the brothers came in, and he's like, no, that's not the one. That's not him. It's not him. It's not him. And asked the father, Jesse, well, do you have any more sons? Well, you know, just, just this guy, you know, got my little son, David. He's just out there with the sheep singing with his harp. No, it's not him. He's like, bring him in. And he looked at him, and he said, it's him. You know, he, he's going to be the next king. But did you know, okay, he pours the anointing oil over David and all of that. He's chosen, but he didn't actually become king till 20 years later. And at least 14 of that, he lived in caves. He was chased by Saul because remember after David killed the giant, then Saul didn't like it anymore because Saul had killed his thousands and David his ten thousands and Saul was jealous of him. Sometimes when God gives you a dream and vision for your life and you tell somebody else, guess what? Then they're jealous of you. The same thing happened to Joseph. He told his brothers, I had this dream, you know, all these things, you know, was bowing down to me. He's like, what are you talking about? But then Joseph had to go. And he got sold, and he got thrown in the pit, and all these things happened. And when God puts a dream in our heart, we're going to go through a lot of things. So don't be surprised at that. I, I just I can't imagine what Mary went through for 30 years. We have no idea. It doesn't tell much. Maybe she thought when, when Jesus was 12 years old, and remember he got left in the temple, well, they didn't forget him. Jesus purposely was conversing with the teachers and the Pharisees, and then they had to go back and get him. Maybe she thought, this is it. You know, he's going to declare himself, and everybody's going to know, and I'm finally going to be vindicated. She had to deal with some pride. I mean, I would have, you know, I wanted, would have wanted to be justified or vindicated. But no, that wasn't it. And finally, as it was getting close, there was the wedding. And remember, they ran out of wine, and she was like, 
do whatever my son says. And really, Jesus was like, Mom, you know, it's not my time. I mean, basically, he was probably thinking, you know, because she could see her, he could see her humanness wanting to hurt, you know, push the time. Is it time? Is it time? Is it time to declare yourself the Messiah? Where we have to wait for the right time. Mary had to wait. But all those times, Jesus was preparing her for what was to come. So, you will face things. That's, that's the third thing. The fourth thing is, is what God tells us or gives us, the dream for our life or our children's life, usually doesn't look like what we thought it would. It usually isn't what we imagined it to be. So, did she battle with pride? We don't, I, I'm sure she did. She battled with all kinds of things, but usually... God will tell us something, and it's nothing like we imagined or thought. You know why? Because most of the time we'd say, forget it. <laughs> I don't want to go through that. If it's going to take down that road, he doesn't tell us. I think of my sister-in-law, Bernetta, who's not able to be here tonight because she's sick, but God told her to wait for her, her husband to get saved. I mean, they divorced, remarry, divorced, remarry, but she never would date anyone else. She was waiting for him to get right. It's been over 30 years, and I can now say he's pretty right. <laughs> but it was a long, if God would have showed her that, she probably would have said, forget it. I'm just going to marry some other godly guy. But the plan that God had for their lives probably wouldn't be fulfilled. So imagine even what Mary dealt with, you know, think about it. Jesus was the perfect child, right? The Bible says he knew no sin. So how many of you have children that have never sinned? <laughs> I think by the time I were a year old, they'd already sinned. <laughs> and definitely by the time they could talk. Um, but definitely by the time they were the terrible two, throwing themselves on the ground, fits, lying. Did you... You know, you know the child, did you squirt the toothpaste all over and the toothpaste is all over them? No, I didn't do it, Mama. <laughs> but it's all over their shirt. But can you imagine raising the perfect child? You know, never fought with his siblings, never backtalked his mom and dad, never had a tantrum, never had a fit, always ate his vegetables. <laughs> but then Mary and Joseph had other children, right? There was sons and daughters that were born to them, but they were sinners. And so I can't imagine what it was like growing up, you know, looking at your perfect brother, you know, the jealousy they had. But so your first child is perfect. So <laughs> imagine Mary must have been able to pat herself on the back. Man, I've been a great mama. <laughs> How many of you when your child... Children have done great, have been tempted to say, I'm a great mama. But we really can't say that because even when they choose wrong, does that mean that you're a bad mama? See, sometimes things with God don't make sense. Sometimes we get sick and it is our fault because we treat our body like trash. But sometimes we get sick and it's, it's, it's not. It's just for the glory of God or to build our faith or whatever it may be. And sometimes, you know, you raise your children right and a lot of them serve God and then one of them doesn't. Sometimes things don't make sense, you know, and I'm sure Mary went through all of that looking at her perfect little child and then she had the other little sinners. <laughs> so, uh, 
It must have been interesting, but through all that, God was preparing her to see her son tortured, ridiculed, killed, died, and all that. But knowing in the end he was going to rise again, knowing he allowed her to go through all of that, all the ridicule, all the waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, because he knew she would be able to do it. Knew she would have faith, knew she would believe, knew she would walk in obedience. So sometimes we're, take it, we're tempted to take credit for something we have nothing to do with, good or bad, sick or health, when it's not our fault, it's just God working. Things don't always make sense. You know, the Bible says we see through a gla- glass dimly. We only see a little itty, bitty, bitty bit. But one day we'll see and we'll understand. So... Was Mary perfect? No. I believe she dealt with anxiousness. I believe she dealt with pride. I, she, she wanted to be vindicated. I believe she de- dealt with all these things. But God still chose her, and God still used her. And I really guess I wanted to share this tonight for all of you to know, you know what? You're just like Mary. God has chosen you not to carry the Christ child because he's already been here. His work is finished, but to do something great. And if you think you can't be used, here's a few other women that I'm not going to share their whole story tonight, but I'll share a little bit. If you've ever heard of Tamar, she was raped. But she also, like Mary, is in the lineage of Jesus. Go back and read it. Rahab, she was a prostitute. Read the lineage of Jesus. She's in it. All in Jesus' line, okay? So was Ruth. She was a widow. She left her biological family. She had no one, just alone, married this old, old guy. She's in the lineage of Jesus. Bathsheba, she was an adulteress. But she, read it, she was in the lineage of Jesus. So some of you might say, well, you don't know my story and you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. Here's someone who was raped. Here's someone who's a prostitute, an adulteress, someone who was alone with no family, someone who was a widow. All kinds of problems. But they all carried on the family that led to the Messiah and gave us the Christ child. So you have no excuse for the vision God wants to give you for your life because here's a bunch of messed up women, and I could go down the list. There are a bunch of messed up men too, but tonight we're talking about women. <laughs> you too are going to play a part to bring people you might not be in the lineage of Jesus but you're in the family of God and you're called to bring people in the family of God I don't know how but it doesn't matter what you've done and it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what kind of family it doesn't matter how rich you are it doesn't matter how poor you are God has called you to do something significant, significant. So, and the last thing about, I love about Mary, if you read, there's a scripture in Luke 2.19 that said, when Mary heard all these things, she pondered and treasured these things in her heart. She thought about them often, but she didn't speak of them. Sometimes God gives us things, and you know what, as women, sometimes we just need to keep quiet. Because, you know, sometimes if we share them, nobody's going to understand. But if God's given you a big dream, you keep it in here. 
Don't let go of it. If God's promised you all your children are coming to him, coming back to Jesus, don't let go of it. If God's, doesn't matter. You know what? Back when I gave my life to Christ, I was in high school, and I wrote out a thing of who I wanted to marry. I wrote I wanted him to be short. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Green eyes. Um, I, wanted, I wanted him to love God more than he loved me. I wanted him to have a passion to win souls and to be in ministry. Now, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, okay? So how could any of these things happen? I don't know, but I kept those things. I wanted to reach souls for Christ. And I knew that my husband was a pastor, but he didn't actually become one. We were in ministry until he was 40 years old. It was a long journey to get there. But I still, I kept it in here. So whatever your dream is, don't give up on it. Don't give up on it. You're not too messed up because guess what? We're all messed up. <laughs> We're all messed up. And we all need that, mas- that Savior, the Messiah, the Christ child. And I'm so thankful this Christmas that he's come, that he's here, and that he's even here right now. And I'd just like all of you to bow your heads right now. And I know... Most of you in here probably have already given your life to that Messiah, and you know him. But if you don't, tonight, and especially at Christmas time, would be a great time for you to say, God, I don't really know you, but I want to know you. I know that you you came and you were born as a baby at Christmas time. You grew up and you gave your life on that cross, and then you rose again. If that's you and you've just never met Christ, just raise your hand right now. Just everybody with their heads bowed. Thank you. Lord, I thank you so much that you came as that little baby to give your life for us, the Christ child, that you humbled yourself. I can't imagine being a, knowing that you, you, you were God, yet you were a baby, a toddler, a child growing up. You humbled and humiliated yourself for us. Thank you so much. That's what this Christmas season really is about, is remembering that you came as a humble little baby to humiliate yourself so that we wouldn't be humiliated one day when we stand before our Father, that you took our place, God. Thank you so much. And Lord, I pray for each lady here this Christmas season, she would not get so caught up in the hustle and the bustle and the cooking that she would forget about the great love that you'd poured out. I pray that she would be just a light and the love of God would flow to her family and friends and grandparents and cousins and everyone that she will meet with this holiday season, God. I pray that all the stresses would be gone and she would just be able to share your great love the great, great love that you've given to her. In Jesus' name, amen.